how's it going, folks? Blind bargains to eleven. We have. Uh, we, 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 I forgot how to talk. <laughs> We're doing podcasts again because Apple had an event. We have things to talk about and people to talk about it with. I'm JJ. With me is Joe. Hi there. Yeah, you know him. Um, I don't have to say anything about him. He's probably. Um, are you playing Last of Us all day, or are you playing other games, or? I have not played it. Ricky has the controller, and oh she my had her gosh. first 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 trophy on PlayStation, which is awesome. For those who don't know, the Last of Us Part Two on PlayStation Four is been made really <laughs> really friendly for speech, low vision, uh, not so much for motor impairment. If you read uh, the stuff over at Can I Play That? Great website, by the way. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it's great. It's really awesome, and I have a PlayStation Four Pro. And it sounds like a jet engine under my television because it is pushing some major, major polygons up on the screen. Uh, but Ricky has it. And so I've actually, the Ensign, uh, which is a part of the uh, kind of a dark room universe, had an update. So I'm actually playing that right now. Tangella and I were talking about it on Twitter. It was kind of funny. Yeah, we're going to have uh, So no, I can't we'll get have, to it. Yeah, all because, right. All right. Well, because we'll, Ricky has the controller. We'll get there. We'll get there. That'll be, a, I'm sure, another podcast uh, down the line. I know we're going to have some stuff with that. But we have an Apple event first, so we need some more Apple experts. Uh, Jamie Pauls of Access World and the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. That's a new one to me. I'm, I'm going to check that out, too. Hey, Jamie. Hey, good to be with you guys. I don't know that my name, an expert in the same sentence, is a good <laughs> thing, but hey, we're going to fake it. I'm going to pretend. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jamie's here to make all new fresh outtakes because yes, uh, Patrick yes. had to recycle for the last couple of years mm. just to keep Jamie in the loop. So I have a cat under my feet right now that thinks that the fact that I've been home more or less since the middle of March is like summer camp for her. She doesn't understand um, that there are things going on in the world that are less pleasant. She just thinks we're home for her. So I yeah, haven't no. told her any different. No conventions to go to, at least not in person, and not a lot of other things right. to go to either. Um, I just saw that A11YTO over in Toronto was putting out a tweet trying to figure out if people would show up to an inter uh, a thing in October, which I wanted to go to this year. And then ATIA next year has already said they're going virtual. In virtual ATIA. <laughs> so you can't go two years in a row, at least not in person, Joe. Sorry. Uh, Considering mm-hmm. that's where I got sick this year, I am perfectly fine with yeah. this concept. I, I'm glad I went. But yes, I I think it's going to be interesting as we move forward. Oh, the the acronym VATIA is kind of weird. The ATIA. Yeah, remember when we went to ATIA years yeah, ago? Ja- Jamie That's and I about, yes. actually covered ATIA and sat wow. by that. Was I there that year? Pool. I don't even know if I. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I don't I think you were there that actually. Year, I think it's you were. possible we were doing competing I coverage. I bought something from you. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the big podcast oh, wars man. of 2012 or whatever. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, something we hope you won't get sick of is us talking about Apple stuff for the next uh, hour or so, and we'll see what else we can get into. But yes, there was an Apple event, which was a little different. Um, well, everything like everything else, it was virtual. Apparently, uh, yesterday, as we're recording this, filmed, recording this, filmed um, live and not in front of a studio audience yes. at Apple Park. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, a day or so ago, a after the day after they finally released an audio described version of the thing, uh, a day late, but it did eventually uh, come out. But at any rate, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a long uh, Apple infomercial. But uh, I guess we just start out. Uh, let me flip a coin in my head, Jamie. Uh, takeaways. 
takeaway. Well, the takeaway for me this year was that I didn't actually listen to it as it was happening. And so I got to experience the same thing that Lisa Salinger mentioned on Twitter, which was, it is absolutely hilarious to read snarky comments, fun snarky comments, without the context of what's actually going on. So like my very first takeaway was Joe and Ricky, you know. And, oh boy. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there may have been a face covering tweet from Ricky that um, I'm glad I wasn't drinking something because it would have been spewed across the room. Because that is indeed so, the big news yes. of the week. There's face coverings for your memojis. <laughs> that you have to remove to use face ID, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that might not be the the, the big tip. <laughs> right. Joe, what do you, Joe, right. what do you got? <laughs> I was thrilled with this event because you still had Apple Bingo. You know, you still had most of the things that you were looking for. Like, you're gonna love it, which is an Apple Bingo card moment. It was not full of press employees, sycophants clapping at the silliest of features and interrupting things. It was like very streamlined and on point. And I enjoyed it a good bit after watching many and many, many years of these things. That's true. I thought that uh, Craig was on target this time. It went almost two hours and it didn't seem too fluffy as someone who's not an Apple person. And I know I show my tendencies on here because they are exist. I can't hide them, but I didn't feel like they were just drawing things out. There actually was a fair amount of stuff, uh, which we'll get to, I guess we could start off with the, uh, with iOS 14, when are they going to stop uh, doing numbers on iOS? You know, what, like when we get to 30 or something, when is the point where we go, we go to something <laughs> but different? Hey, they flipped a number on Mac. We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and, <laughs> well, that was a and point. anything to get out of 13 because <laughs> tridecophobia yeah. is real. Yeah, that's true. iOS 14, you know, I'm the Android guy, so I'm going to say y'all copied a lot of stuff. But I actually saw an article on Android Police, which was trying to spin that into a way. Yes, I'm talking Android. was like, hey, Apple copying all these Android features, that just normalizes things and makes uh, it a lot easier for people to switch back and forth. But um, I don't even know where to start with. Like, there's no is, – is there a, an eye-grabbing, ear-grabbing new feature that's out there that's, oh, my God, this is the one I have to have? Is it all the, the new organization things that come into the iPhone as far as organizing apps and having – essentially like an app drawer or the auto categorization auto categorization that's a tongue twister it's gonna be right up there with iosification oh there's shelly she's gonna be yelling at her mp3 player right now there it is (laughs) right right. i kind of like the idea that you know favorite apps or apps most used might you know kind of present themselves uh, toward the the top of the screen perhaps or I don't know, maybe hiding pages. I'm not someone who keeps a lot of apps on my phone. I tend to take things off if I'm not using them, but I've seen people that have a lot of apps that are trying to find something and it can be excruciatingly frustrating if you don't remember where you've put something. Of course, there are things you can do. Um, The Tech Doctor podcast, just throw in a plug for them. I listened to them today and Allison Malloy was talking about, you know, she uses Braille screen input. So you can immediately search for something, which is a great option, but a lot of people don't make as much use of that. So, and of course you can always use Siri, but sometimes you don't want to ask Siri to open an app if you're, I don't know, in a place where you- Let me search the web for quiet. Open. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I can't find that. Would you like to download that? No, I wouldn't because it's already in my library. But anyway. <laughs> Did um, you mean Uber Eats? <laughs> 
Yeah. So the the more organization and optimization and even hiding pages that you don't use much is probably a good thing. I think there was a recognition that iOS has to change. It's kind of kludgy. It's kind of clunky. It really hasn't seen that many changes to the UI. Not that you can change the icons placement or anything crazy like that, but the app grid is still there. So uh, the idea that you can have two visible pages and by visible, I mean, you can touch them. So you have home screen one and home screen two, and then the rest are there. You can unhide them, but if not, I believe it's by default, it's going to go to this app drawer. So you flick over, you know, a couple of times with your three finger swipes, and then you're in this giant list of your apps and it will have its suggested view or you can sort it. You could put it in A through Z if you want, which I think is which is what I do on Android. Yeah. So there's there's a lot there and the same thing as widgets. Not everybody swipes over to that widget screen. I do because that's where I put my battery status to read things like uh, the Bose frames and other stuff like that through battery. It's a great widget. But not everybody, you know, looks to swipe over. I like the idea of auto categorization of apps. And that's one thing that I don't think we have on Android. So yeah, we have the AZ view. We have the favorites thing. And I'll come back to that in a second. Auto categorization is kind of interesting because if it's just going to, assuming the developers categorize their apps like you would expect, you know, if you download a social app and automatically puts it in that category, that's kind of cool. It saves a lot of the making of folders that people will do to kind of self-categorize these things if Apple will do it for you. So that to me actually is pretty interesting. I don't have tons and tons of apps on my iPhone as a secondary device for me, but you know, I have five or six pages and trying to figure out what page they're on because they're not in any sort of order where on Android, I just go to my apps list and it's an alphabetical order. And that to me is very nice. So having searching capabilities, having categories, you know, really, because honestly, Siri is not the greatest at, getting the app that you really want to use, especially with apps that have weird names or names that aren't spelled correctly. Say like the app Clue, you know, which is spelled, what, I think C-L-E-O-O or something to that effect. It's definitely not the regular spelling. And there are others like that um, that can be very similarly spelled or named or how is it exactly named. So having more ways to organize apps. The favorites thing, Jamie, I guess it depends on how, if it's dynamic I don't like that as a screen reader user because the cool thing about dynamic favorites or dynamic text prediction for people who can look at the screen is you can look at the screen, you can see, oh yeah, that's a favorite app. It's right there. But for a voiceover slash talkback user, you have to every single time, especially if these things move around, you have to see, all right, where is my favorite app now? And I wouldn't want an app list that keeps rearranging my itself now if it's like always put the most recent four on the top in that order that could be one thing because at least you know the order but if it's going to try to base it on other factors such as how often has the app been opened or you know just other random algorithms i don't think that's a feature i would use i don't use it on android and i don't think i would use it here yeah the ability to make this easier for people who might be having cognitive issues or older users so they can find things a little easier without using spotlight or something I think is really nice. And that kind of dovetails into widgets. I mean, widgets is sure it's been an Android, but this is taking Apple's shortcuts and applying them in a more real world way makes without a lot of people sense. having to necessarily learn how to use shortcuts. And so, you know, you could for some people who are not really good with iOS make a widget so they could call a relative or FaceTime, 
their family and they can identify that with a family picture or what have you. I think that's really exciting because it's not unheard of for people to buy a big computer, buy a new phone, buy a video game console and go, okay, what do I do now? They, they want suggestions. They want things to help them understand what they bought. And you know, that goes all the way back to when I was working gateway tech support where people would get a computer, hook it up at Christmas and then call into tech support and go, okay, so now what do I do? You know, where do I go? How do I use this? Thing? Use it. <laughs> and yeah. And iPhones can be that way as well. I think there are some people who don't necessarily, you know, want to go venture down some of these pathways. So, you know, using BSI and spotlight is great, but looking to see what your iPhone thinks you want is even greater because you can do this right now on iOS 13. You can bring up spotlight search and you can run your finger down the middle and you'll see the things you'd use the most, or you can go over to the kind of widget area that's in iOS 13 now, and it'll show you the most often used programs there. This is taking a lot of that functionality and just putting it in a better wrapper, a better way to interact with it. And hopefully that'll be a little faster or a little bit more efficient for other people out there uh, who are looking for this kind of thing. So I think that's super cool. And then, you know, that's not even touching into what some people could do with widgets, like your favorite pizza parlor or your favorite movie theater, you know, buy tickets for the latest so-and-so right here, or this is your shortcut into this thing or that we're trying to promote for you. So you don't have to dig down. I always come back to the conversation Shelly and I had about the TV app and Shelly saying that she didn't know that this show was on Hulu or on Netflix or on what have you. That is a perfect example. So if you like a show Apple's trying to make it easier for you to just find that show, not necessarily figure out, you know, oh, I gotta, I gotta bring up my <laughs> HBO Max app, you know, to get to this. Yep. And if I don't have that service and I don't want to subscribe to that service, well, then I could go ahead and buy it from iTunes. So there's a variety of other uh, new features, and some are are big, some maybe not so much. You know, sometimes it's a little things. Uh, one that jumped out to me that's like maybe kind of opine. Oh man, I wish we had that for Android, is being able to uh, pin conversations, up to nine of them, to the top yeah. of messages. It's a little thing. And some of the, your third-party messaging apps for Android have that, but that's something not something that we have built in. I can see that, that being very useful, especially for group convos or things that you kind of want to always have access to. I think maybe you could do it in WhatsApp. But like it's a lot like Slack it did. <laughs> looked a lot like Slack. Well, yeah. I mean, in a lot of these things, when a you're lot talking of about group messaging. Yep. You know, all this group messaging stuff, of course, I mean, the annual reminder that you have to have all iOS people essentially to make those features work. Otherwise, you run into a bit of trouble. And that's, that's right. So if but, we put JJ in one of those, Jamie, it won't work because yeah. no, right. it, it really has will to break be it. Board. It breaks yeah. the whole thing. I've, as you know, being the person, thankfully, there's a few more of us now. So I'm not, it's not always my fault anymore. <laughs> but he's not joking one bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I don't know how some people are going to like that kind of nested slash group conversation where you Ooh. have to expand. I mean, a lot of people don't like it in iOS mail the way it is. Nested replies. Mail. Yeah. I'll be honest. You know, when we have, we use Slack for the podcast and when someone replies to a message, I, I like, I'd almost rather people just not do that <laughs> because it's easier. It, it really is a little more difficult to try to like, wait a minute, did I get all the messages or, or did someone reply to that one five messages back? Because it actually, in a conversation, 
I get if it's threads and you have subjects and it's a forum, that makes a lot of sense, you know, or for email. I act, I do I do use my email in threaded view, and that makes sense. But what Slack doesn't do, and maybe iOS messages will do better, when someone replies to an old message in Slack, it doesn't move that message back to the top. If it did that, then I think I would be better okay with the reply feature. So if it's going to do that, like my email program does, then I would be okay with it, if, if that makes sense. Now, there are things about iOS that I thought kind of, I don't know, you know, we had the whole conversation about forced touch and la la la, and this is removed now, and why did they do that? The home button is a perfect example of that. Well, one of the things that could be in our future is that those of us who jumped onto the 10X, 10S, 11s, you know, that, that whole realm of phones between today and the iPhone 8, you don't have that. You know, you don't have a home button. Yep. One of the cool things that has come out in the iOS 14 code from developers so far is that you'll be able to tap the back of your phone twice or three times. Does that sound familiar? Huh. And you'll be able to customize what those are. So if you're missing that home button or missing that app switcher, possibly you might be able to put that back by tapping. If not, you'll be able to tap the back of your phone with other customizable gestures uh, or excuse me, commands. So that way you'll be able to this get to a, use some of your favorite shortcuts by just tapping the back of your phone. Is this a voiceover thing, right? Or is this more, is this broader than, than. No, uh, this is a general all purpose. This is for a feature in iOS 14 and it is customizable. It'll be interesting to see how voiceover could take advantage of that though. Absolutely. That was the first thing I thought of when, when, yeah. when that came out. And also one of the things that's going to happen is that you can have, we've had David Ward on talking about Echo Guard before and more and more digital assistants are listening to things in the background to let you know that something is happening. Somebody's at the doorbell, the baby is crying, your phone is ringing, mm, yeah. those kinds of things. iOS 14 will be able to listen into the background and alert you. If it hears something now, that's mostly for people who are wearing AirPods and have the volume up really high and probably not paying attention to the world, not in transparency mode, but in a real world situation, especially for those who are deaf blind or deaf, this will be able to give you an ability to know that someone is talking to you from another side of the room. If you set it that way, or if there's a fire alarm in your office going off, uh, this will listen for those kinds of things and alert you that that's happening. That again is something we've seen in other technology. Especially if it can cut off your music. Oh, yeah. If you're way, way off in left field with the music way high up. Yeah, it certainly happens quite a bit. Um, you know, it's those little types of features that end up being very useful. Um, to backtrack for a second, backtrack, I was even trying to do that. Um, <laughs> I've heard people commenting, and I think I might agree. I mean, there's going to be lots of accidental touching and probably people just turning that feature off. We've had a talkback feature on Android. And, you know, sorry, I'm not trying to make so many comparisons, but I think it's relevant here where you can tap the side of the phone to activate. You can assign talkback commands to that. And it's one of those things that I have disabled because you just find yourself as you're just picking up your phone, tapping too much or whatever. And I'm not sure if the same thing would happen with the back of the phone. I mean, the good news is the feature can be turned on and off. So you could try it out, see if it works out for you. Probably depends on how you hold your phone and how you how you use it, right? And not using it for Apple Pay, <laughs> tapping your phone on 
That's so true. I didn't even you, think of that. To, no, yeah, yeah. You tap you your phone. You have to act that with the power button and yeah, or or the home button to be able to get that. Or the way tags. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're mm-hmm. trying to you yeah. know, line those up, it could be have the same thing. I didn't even think of that. There are, we, we talked about email and we talked about tags. Looks like you're going to be able to choose your browser and your default email program on Mac and on iOS coming up, which is kind of nice. So if you do like using Gmail or Hotmail or some other mail app, instead of the basic Apple mail app, you could actually swap that out. And they're bringing tile support and other third-party tracker apps to find my what have you, you know, find my phone, find my app, find my device. Uh, they're, they're bringing that kind of thing into the ecosystem. So you can find other things like uh, Tile that JJ demonstrated last year before convention. So you can find these things, possibly AirTags. I mean, that wasn't mentioned. There really wasn't that much hardware talked about no. except for one big piece. And we'll get to that later. But uh, for the most part, this stayed within the the iOS and AirPod world. And speaking of AirPod, they're bringing controls so you're able to actually limit the types of sounds that you hear in transparency mode. So if you have some hearing loss and you want things to be in the mids or you want uh, your music to be a little bit more in the high range, you'll be able to go in there and customize that kind of stuff. The idea is that you can hear things around you better. There's also a surround mode. Uh, We'll see how that goes, but it's a way of providing some type of pseudo surround mode of audio, kind of like Dolby Atmos, I assume. It's hard to say without actually having it and reading and learning about it. But that's another mode that's coming as a firmware update to those that are using the AirPods. And uh, Jamie, are you, are you, how far down are you now onto the uh, track of Apple? Are you, are you watch bound now? Are you AirPod bound? Where you stand? So I'm in kind of an odd place. I um, got, had like a second gen Apple watch or whatever and sold that here a while back. Um, Might get another Apple watch someday, especially if they ever do the Holy grail of being able to check blood glucose through your skin with a watch. Uh, That's articles. They are getting closer. Uh, I've seen articles about patent uh, technology where actually they might use light to do that, which is just crazy to think about. But so the Apple Watch is in my future at some point, maybe. Um, I really am interested in AirPods at some point. I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of reviews, listening to, to demos from blind people. I am currently using an iPhone 8 Plus, but I will probably, before this year is over, or well, within the next year anyway, migrate to, depending on what happens in the fall, probably an SE 2020. I'm kind of intrigued by not giving up the home button, I will confess. And You're not, not the only one. So I, I don't have a lot no, to go on, but no. I can I can kind of judge sometimes by what screen protectors we sell over at AT Guys, you know, because we have them for all the various mm-hmm. iPhones. And SE 2020, it's between SE 2020 and the 8 or 6, you know, 7 or 8 are the most popular ones right. at the moment. You know, a few scattered 11s and 10s and things like that. So... That could mean a couple of different things. The types of people that use screen protectors are maybe the also types of people who want the simpler phones, you know, and maybe more of our advanced users are the people that don't need a screen protector or a tactile one. So, you know, it's not entirely a, a telling right. story. We got one for Kyle for graduation and the SE feels nice in the hand. It is not a big leap 
from, you know, a feeling of an eight. Uh-huh. Uh, Ricky was holding her eight in one hand and the SE in the other. And so if you're not happy with what gets announced this fall with the iPhone, I guess, 12, I don't know what we're doing these days with numbers, but if, if you don't feel comfortable with that, there's going to be a really nice place for you to land. And the SE is definitely one of those. When now, you say it's not a big gonna leap. You're going to be able to run iOS 14 on that, which yeah. is kind of cool. And if you had an iPhone 6S, you'll still be able to run iOS 14 on that. And the old SE. So, and the old SE, which I guess oh, makes yes. sense because the old SE was being sold until a few months ago. So I guess that makes sense. So you wait, so you're saying you went from an iPhone 8 to an SE and the the uh, the phone was not that much faster because I see a lot of people making that exact switch. No, no, no. It it feels fast. No, no, no. Okay. It it, it definitely feels fast. The weight of the phone, got gotcha. you. The body of the phone, right. The feeling of Actual the quote feel. unquote haptic button. Yeah, it, it does not feel. I mean, the big difference that you're going to notice, of course, is <laughs> there's a big lightning port at the bottom, and no headphone jack is right. you know if you're coming from the 6s, right? Like we were taking. Well, you can hold on to your 6s for another year. It's going to probably be even a little more sluggish. Yeah. but you you know those of you who are thinking you had to rush away from it, um, if you want the latest iOS, well, you got another year of reprieve. And I mean, that's the thing I've always praised Apple for for a phone that's what now five years old. And or even more than that, I lose lose track sometimes. Uh, you know, to to be fair, no no one needs to be left on thirteen. No one. <laughs> that, that would be cruel. Yeah, it was and a cursed release in number and in features. And I don't know how many updates have there been total for iOS thirteen. Well, I'm currently running thirteen point six public beta one. If that makes you feel any better, so there there were a bunch of points in there before that when we were. 13.1, I mean, remember there was 13 and then that, you know, 13.1 came right after that because they had to ship with something on the phones last year. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty weird release schedule for them and it will be a pretty weird release schedule for them coming up because if the rumors are to be believed, uh, the hardware stuff is going to come out a little later than usual. So maybe iOS 14 will come out a little later than usual. There was no mention on when this will drop. Of course, uh, the public will get a beta of this and Mac OS and watch OS gets its first public beta release possibly next month. This is where we insert our annual, uh, beta warning. Uh, yes. Do, do we just do pull the old one from last year? <laughs> do, man, do, 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 do not. I, I said on Twitter that I was happy we weren't going to summer convention this year because I didn't have to run into a bunch of people complaining about putting, you know, betas on their primary devices like they shouldn't be doing. What Joe doesn't want you to know is that he was using dictation at the time and it came out beaters. That's right. Beaters like egg beaters. Don't run beaters on your phone. Beaters are bad for your phone. And like I said at the top of the show, well, I've heard from people who are doing it who are running into some major voiceover issues in, in developer land. So uh, there's a reason why this is for developers only, not for the general public. Don't go out there and do it. There's no reason for you to do it, especially if you're not going to file a bug. I mean, that that's the worst is you're, you're downloading it and then not doing anything with it. You're not helping anybody. Yeah, don't, if you're just doing it just to try to see something, honestly, yeah, this way you're going to be disappointed. There's, there's going to be, nothing gets work, you know, works great in the first version. By the way, uh, once uh, 13.6 comes out, that'll be the 16th update for iOS 13. <laughs> wow. 
Right? Sweet 16. <laughs> Sweet 16. Yeah. Before we move away from the iPhone, there are some specific, um, we don't know a lot about them yet, but we do have some kind of hints of voiceover stuff that's coming, uh, a lot of it relating to the describing of images both on web pages and perhaps in apps and perhaps even ascertaining in, I would guess, limited situations, but some sort of way in certain apps to try to guess the controls. A lot of screen readers will do this. We'll try to, if they can't figure out what the control does, it'll try to figure out what it does. It's, well, that's one of those things. Back that, button. Yeah. You know, I expect it to work 10% of the time, and maybe it'll help in a few apps. Image descriptions that right. are more detailed could be interesting um, for sure, especially on the web. And that's a feature that Chrome has done for a little bit, uh, among others. So, you know, we'll have to kind of see how these play out. But to moving people who are using sign language to a larger window in group FaceTime calls. Yes. That's super cool. That's very cool. And another one that's not voiceover related, but very much I think will be appreciated. Apple has jumped on the offline dictation bandwagon for Siri. So, I mean... It may or may not I mean, be how accurate. How much worse could it be, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it may or may not be accurate, you know? That's that's the thing. I think Siri does not get as much love as the Google Assistant, but again, Google is a search company, so that's, the Google will always be better I believe in my that. tweet was that we've, we've had more time to analyze foreign languages with swear words than any other interaction <laughs> that we have with our right. digital assistants. <laughs> there is some more translation stuff going on as well, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot more, and I think that's going to be interesting. And sliding over to iPad OS for just a little bit, the idea that you're going to be able to use really bad handwriting and have, you know, Mac, oh, excuse me, I, <laughs> iPad OS, look at your handwriting and translate that into text. You know, so if you write in an edit field, it knows that you're trying to write. That's going to be interesting. Both are going to be using less full screen displays. So if you get a call, it's not going to take up like the whole thing. Or if you're going to use Siri, it it might not take up the whole thing. There was a lot of talk about how they're going to use real estate on your phone better than in the past. So, you know, there's a couple of people saying that that was a Johnny Ive thing. I don't know. But you can tell that Johnny's not there. You can tell that a lot of people are ready to move on and make iOS and Mac, <laughs> iPad OS look different and act different. Uh, and it really showed that, that a lot of people want to do more with the hardware that they have available to them. So I thought that was kind of neat. Anything that will not be a full screen display, I'm kind of down with. I think one of the things that I am always curious about every new release of iOS is updates to maps. My wife and I, when we travel, I have pretty much taken over the navigation of giving directions and what have you. And I am with a Apple super Maps, huge not fan Google? of Google Maps. No, I'm, I'm a super huge fan of Google Maps yeah. on the iPhone. And uh, I read something that made me think that Apple is taking a play, a page out of the playbook of uh, Google with local guides so that you can uh-huh. maybe do more reviewing and, you know, adding information about places of interest. So yeah, uh, the social aspects of Google I, map are, are, Oh yeah. Amazing. I'm a yeah, I think I'm level really five are. or six on a local guide uh, for, for Google. Yeah. Your reviews are very popular. I mean, just, Give us more. A, <laughs> I've gotten right. that one. Over a hundred thousand people have read your review. Really? Okay. <laughs> wow. That's not one of my better ones. <laughs> And, you know, um, just so but, I'm not generalizing for, for people listening, the the voiceover accessibility thing about Google Maps that I like so much is 
a lot of times my wife will say, what's my next turn? And maybe the voice guidance hasn't spoken it yet. But on the iPhone, I can go to the top of the screen, see where we are, where we're headed. I can flick up and see upcoming turns. And I've not been able to nearly as easily do that in Apple Maps. Um, to, to locate, you can f- kind of figure out what turns are needing to be made, but it's not easy to figure out exactly where you are and you know what the immediate next thing is. At least I haven't been able to do that. And I always, sometimes I'll play with Apple Maps in a familiar environment just to see if, you know, because there are times when one service will work a little better than another, but I always, always come back to, to Google Maps. You know, and t- right. And to be fair, Apple Maps has one feature that is really cool that I haven't seen duplicated on many other products as far as being able to bring up a virtual map and move your finger around the screen and trace the roads and things like that. That's really innovative and has not been matched. So uh, it looks like an iOS 14, mostly like cycling directions and you know, electric vehicle routing dedicated biking, you know, things like that. These are a lot, a lot of catch up, but yeah, maps. Yeah. It's all about the data and Google maps is people, businesses have been on top. It's a bigger play. Yeah. It's a bigger play. So it's like the app clips and I have an article in the show notes. What T WTF is app clips and nothing. Nothing about as useful as what is our app clip thing that we've had. Yeah. As as Android's app version. uh, Yeah. yeah, It um, really won't be any. So, Ricky asked me this, you know, what are they? And I then thought I could explain, not mansplain to my my fiance, but explain to my fiance what they were. Because I was like, oh, no, it's this. Oh, no, it's that. And it really wasn't clear. And, and Gizmodo had a great idea. What was it? The thing that I found interesting about this, as well as, as maps, is that all of that rolls back into Apple Pay right? It, it all has something to do with making it work better with the Apple ecosystem. So adding more social information about restaurants and that kind of thing, or let you go into a place where you could scan a QR like code and then get the app and then use Apple pay to pay for something was all a big part of this kind of conversation during the Apple event. Because again, it's all, it's all tied into each other. Apple's incredibly shrewd. There's not much there that's just fluff. Like Jay was saying earlier, it was definitely all tied to each other. So the maps thing is definitely one they want to take a victory lap on, but it also is a way to try and, you know, get businesses to be a part of it. Use Apple pay. Everything will be just so much easier. And, you know, Hey, contactless payment, right? Come on. Hey, Hey, yeah. if you're a small business though, you're going to take Apple pay, but you're going to do it via a square reader, essentially which I don't know how much that helps. Again, helps Apple. I mean, essentially it means you can use NFC on whatever device you come across. But, you know, I mean, if they're going after more large companies, which probably gives them a little more chunk of things. Yeah, Apple's had some really good, you know, obviously Apple Pay sped up adoption of the, the contactless payments and so will COVID as well. But they also had the Apple credit card, which was kind of, you know, definitely not the, the thing that it everyone thought really it would come be. come up, did it? No, it yeah, actually wasn't even mentioned. This wasn't a hardware event. Was it mentioned? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't remember seeing but anything. I expect that to show up again closer, yeah. closer to hardware. There was a couple of previews of TV shows and there was some watch stuff. Uh, and yeah, there was another thing. Oh, yeah, the Foundation series for all you Isaac Asimov fans out there. 
That's sci-fi. See, that's, that's the show new product now. video. You can get up and go to the restroom when they're showing Apple uh, <laughs> TV, TV Plus, Apple TV Plus things. Yeah. Get up. We're, we're going to talk about in about uh, 60 seconds or a little more uh, the other new place that you can run your iOS apps coming soon. But first, um, many of you have already pre-ordered, and you still can, a great accessory for your iOS device or your Mac or even your Android or your computer. Yes, it's the Orbit Rider, the $99 Braille keyboard. So we first interviewed uh, Venkatesh at CSUN about this. And that honestly was one of those interviews that we did the interview. And as soon as I saw it, like, yep, we need to carry this because it is so slick and light. It's about three ounces. It's essentially a Perkins style Braille keyboard with the Braille keys and then not much else. Arrow keys and a select button and then space, and then dot seven and eight on either side of space. Three ounces, you can fit in a pocket, you can fit in a purse, or whatever you want to carry it around in, and it makes it a lot easier, you know. The number one complaint we get from people is being able to type on the iPhone. Yeah, there's many ways to do it, and there's Braille screen input on the iPhone, which many people have mastered, but sometimes using a dedicated device is just the way to go. There's been Braille keyboards in the past, but what was the cheapest one? That Optilec one for 300 bucks? You know, I've always wished, oh man. Yes. Right. I always wish, I wish there was a $99 or $100 Braille keyboard. It would sell like wildfire. Fire. And we have it. Uh, it's pre-ordered now. And then the ship date is going to be around the end of July, beginning of August. Now, if you want Braille to go with that keyboard, we are now also carrying the Orbit Reader 20 Plus. Those we actually have in stock now for $699. So it's like the Orbit Reader 20, but with Braille translation, also a clock and a calendar and other things like that. Uh, they've really done a lot over the past couple of years as far as uh, QC. I think they've gotten a pass, you know, every new Braille display, right? There's always these growing pains, but I think they've learned a lot over the past few years with that. So that's the 20 cell. And then the Orbit Reader 40 is coming out end of summer for $13.99, which is about half the cost of other Braille displays. That has haptic feedback and cursor routing button, which I know is one of those big things that some people just have to have on Braille displays, have to have the cursor routing buttons as well. So those are all available at atguys.com. You can call us at 269-216-4798. If you have questions, email us at support at atguys.com. Yeah, the Orbit Rider especially, that thing is, I think, going to be all over the place. I, I wish we had conventions because I know we would have bought a box or several boxes of them there. But um, I would be going to the UPS uh, dock a few times, I would imagine, today. Yep. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Got to know me real well in Vegas. Oh gosh, they do us. They they were Um, very familiar with us over there between the you and me and everyone else running down there picking up new boxes and so it was always a fun time. We'll miss. Thank goodness that was so close to the exhibit hall floor. That was helpful. That would have been that was really yucky. Yeah, indoors, not having to go out into to the Vegas heat. It was all actually my favorite was at Rosen Shingle where there the uh, their business center was kind of in the next door wing. Uh, not the side of the convention that we everyone was in. It was in the other side where no, there was no NFB stuff, but they had right. a connection elevator. So we like loaded up all of the initial boxes of AT guy stuff. And we got in this like special service elevator, uh, went down a level and then back up and like popped back up on the other side, right by the exhibit hall. <laughs> and then cause wheeled it right in, dude, which was the, I mean, right. I mean, it was perfect. And that was a great way to go. So I, I, I teased, before that uh, little commercial segue, 
about a new place that you can run iOS apps. And of course, um, we're talking about the Mac, which is uh, one of the many new changes. And yes, a new number. <laughs> it's not a Mac OS 10 point whatever. It goes on. to 11. That's right. <laughs> Finally. 11, 11. How many years does that take? Like 15 years? <laughs> uh, and remember, remember when... We- 10 years ago, or let's see, at least eight years ago for Jamie and I, when we heard the rumor it was going to be cats mm-hmm. from cats to bears. Yeah. Right. So we're going to go from Jaguar to Kodiak, right? We're going to get off the cats, the mountain lions and all that and go to bears. That didn't happen. Nope. We, we actually have big sir. S you are able to tell who is dictating that because it will not write that the way that it's actually written they'll probably pronounce it a little differently too so hopefully people yeah will it. i've already scott, seen some voice dictation see, fails on that one scott tried one and you said it came up with a very nsfw result the first time he did it so i would imagine that could go horribly yeah. wrong so t- almost especially 19 in the years so march 21st 2001 was the original uh, release of mac os 10.0 so 19 years of the same this was weird because I knew it was different. Uh, this, this information came out towards the end of the event. So they went through some of the things that you're going to be able to do, which is all fine and good. Uh, there's some, some new features in there. There is a slew of Macs that this will work on. Um, you don't have the list in front of you. Do do you Jay? Uh, cause I, I think it's, I can't remember them all. There's so many doggone Macs now that it's hard to keep in, in the mind, list of new Macs for this uh, year, for some systems going back as 2015. So everything this year will run it, right? Yeah. Everything. Last some of the year, old Mac minis fuzzy. Patrick was lamenting about a Mac yeah, mini. It gets fuzzy around get, 2017. Yeah. Yep. That's where it gets kind of uh, a little, a doesn't little go back as far as some of the ones from uh, the past though. No, it's 2015 to 2017. If your Mac was made somewhere in between those areas, uh, you probably should look there's, there's one or two 2014s, but I'd, I'd feel more comfortable with the threshold of 2015. So there is a lot to unpack here because it's still happening in real time in that you're going to be able to run iOS apps from the app store on your Mac, but it's not, they have to be optimized still. It's still the same thing. So there's some things in there that people are going to really like about it and that, uh, you know, an improvement on speed and performance and all the other stuff, but that, that really isn't the conversation that we should have, right? Because yeah. we should start talking about how Mac is moving away from Intel chips and going right into ARM. And this is something that we've talked about on podcasts, we three and Shelly for years and years and years. And we've looked down our navels a million times onto this particular thing. Well, it actually happened in that, uh, how can you make iOS apps run better on a Mac? Well, you can make it more like an iOS type device. So even the dev kits that are now available, Mac minis are running a version of the iPad pro chips. And that's what people are going to be able to develop their apps on for Mac and iOS. And I, I think it was interesting how they worded a lot of this, that they'll still support Intel. They still have some Intel based Macs coming out. Uh, so it's not immediately over, but there's a two year yeah. plan to move people over to a R M chip. Did you get the vibe though, 
you know, because we've had this in our in our industry, you know, like when Humanware moved to the Braille Note Touch, and they're like, yeah, we're still going to put out updates for the Apex. And they did like one or two. And, you know, and you, but you just mm. knew, like, that, it, yeah, they're not, they're not going to put a lot into that anymore because they're going to, they have their the new shiny thing. on the back of my neck the minute he said Rosetta. Yeah. Because <laughs> not a lot of blind people went through OS 9 to OS 10. I did because I was in, I was in vocational rehabilitation helping accountants who were running OS 9 with enlarge and outspoken face down the, uh, having to learn windows machines because speech and magnification wouldn't work in original OS 10. And then I was there in uh, the assistive technology unit in Texas when we started to see, you know, 10.4 start to get into speech, the early days of speech. So I've, I've ridden this train twice and I have to say that I'm kind of excited about this one. I know this is going to sound really weird coming from me and I know Shelly probably dropped something like a hot beverage somewhere. I'm excited by this because my theory has always been that Apple works best when it doubles down and goes all in. And that's what this felt like that you're right. <laughs> they said two years, but Rosetta, the early days, that was less than a year. They, they flipped that switch yeah. really quick on power PC and rolled into Intel for people that and are, sorry, if you, well, if you, if you want to have a bootcamp Mac and you want to have the best of both worlds, you will buy a Mac this year or next year that has Intel chips and you'll be okay for like four or five years. I wouldn't, but you could be okay for, for four or five years. What this will do for assistive technology trainers, for blind individuals, is this is very much a love it or leave it. You either go all in on Mac OS and iOS and you enjoy voiceover and you try to make it work with parallel or you try to make it work in containers or you try to make it work as a thin client. If you're still trying to do windows, I wouldn't do that, but best of luck. Yeah. But okay. So here's, there's a couple of different problems. I, I, I don't know. And maybe it's a very small group of people. Maybe it's just the people that I'm surrounded with, you know, what percentage of Mac users are also running bootcamp or parallels to run windows on their Mac. You know, it's probably a niche group, but it is a niche group. A lot of your, probably higher end users are the ones that are doing that ones that are spending the most money on Macs and the most uh, doing upgrades. Yeah. I, I definitely agree that having a more centralized approach and being able to kind of easily run your iPhone apps on your iPad and your Mac and kind of going back and forth, that's going to be great for education for that market for trainers where the iPad has kind of lost out a lot to the Chromebook in recent years, a lot largely because of price. These next few years are going to be interesting in our bubble. Five, 10 years ago, there were lots of line people moving to Macs because of the gains that voiceover was making. That seems to have mostly fizzled by now. There are certainly still Mac users out there, and I don't want to diminish yeah. that. And it's probably still perhaps a, a, t a tiny bit higher than the 10 or 15% that the mainstream has. You know, it might be closer to 20 or 25. I don't know if we have a, I guess we could pull a WebAIM survey and see what they say. But it's, you know, a lot of those people, especially in our community, were running Macs and also running Bootcamp for various reasons. So, you know, what are they going to do going forward that is going to own two computers? Maybe. Or, you know, will there be something that will hold them onto Mac? I guess if you're an audio person, maybe logic will hold you there, but you could also move to Reaper and, and see, I'm done with this. But, you know, there, there's going to be probably niche programs and apps that will keep those people around. Yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't buy an Intel 
Mac now. <laughs> we run into this often, right? Like, I'm going to buy the Windows current. on ARM no. is a hobby. Yeah, don't do that <laughs> at the moment, right? Like NVDA has some support. No. And I guess Narrator probably works decently. But, you know, the, and that's also the other thing, Joe. The, the game is, is quite a bit different now as far as built-in access. Narrator is pretty good. You could work on just Narrator if you wanted to at this point. And if you, if you stuck to a certain set of apps, Word, Outlook, Edge, Chrome, even Firefox now, you know, if you were in that set, you don't even, you know, the built-in thing is there now. Jamie, you've been quiet. I have been quiet. Um, I have a <laughs> MacBook that uh, goes back to 2012, mid-2012, and I I used the MacBook almost exclusively for, oh gosh, two or three years maybe. It's hard to remember back now, but uh, not not as early as 2012. It was more like 2015, something like that. But I found myself needing you know, just more accessibility, quite frankly, especially in office applications. And so I ended up moving to Windows 10 and love it. I've never, I've never been one to run Windows on my Mac. I've just always, I've always had two, two computers, a PC and a Mac. And today, you know, I mean, Macs are expensive. So I might look at a Mac mini sometime. I love the operating system. I enjoy using it. But, you know, can I justify it is the question for me at this point. It will be interesting to see moving forward, listening to some demos. Are there major uh, changes to voiceover? Are there lots of, you know, old bugs that maybe get fixed or amazing support for apps moving forward? I, I don't know. I'm not sure what would compel me at this point. Kind of like I told you what would compel me to buy an Apple Watch. I'm not sure what would compel me to go ahead and spend the money on a Mac at this point. I've met people who want to straddle the line. They want to have the best of both worlds. And that's how they justify the cost of the Mac is, oh, I could always run boot camp. Or, you know, I, I, I hop over here, you know, but then I have to use screen reader of choice, right? And you saw for a while people tried to make voiceover on the Mac act like a Windows screen reader. And... I'm never a big fan of that. I'm never a big fan of, I'm never a big fan of trying to adopt someone else's uh, kind of gestures and developer philosophy, and then trying to put a window on top of it, trying to put a bed covering on top of it. That's, that's kind of also the way I kind of feel about voice view and Android, but that's, that's another show for another time. <laughs> I like that. It really makes you have a strong feeling about the ecosystem you wish to be in. If you truly adore this operating system, you like what it is. And, and that's what Apple's doing. They're doing it to well, not just you, but they're doing it to developers too. This is, you are on board. Their fans have adore. I mean, or, their hardcore people adore Apple more than anyone else adores anything. Yeah. So, and they recognize that for sure. But you have to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm only selling... 4 million of these a quarter and I'm selling like 8 million iPads. I'm selling like 12 million watches. It's the same way as windows has to break up with X86 at some point, these things are going to change. And that's what I think we're looking at in the next two or three years. You're exactly right. JJ in the next two or three years, there are going to be some hard decisions. People have to make about windows, about Apple, about what they use, not in their pocket, but what they lay their hands on. And that's for us, that's exciting because that's content for this podcast. But <laughs> in general, it's going to be very interesting because there's major entrenchment employment. If I was back in vocational rehabilitation, 
unless your job specifically could be done like you're self-employed, I don't know that I can recommend Macs because there's going to be something that's going to come across yep. that you're going to need a Windows machine for in the employment world. As good as Office is on the Mac, and it is pretty good, the, it's just a Windows-driven world when you get to corporate America. And so unless that, it's a, that's right. Not I mean, unless your whole company is web-based, in which case, well, Safari isn't, you know, might have its own yeah. set of or problems. Or with COVID, like you were saying earlier, it could be just all containers and we're all using thin clients and interacting with the cloud, which is what Microsoft thinks. That's why they're not really running out there getting upset where I think this gets interesting and, and, and we'll have to have Shelly on for this conversation, maybe in the fall is with all the attorney generals looking at the various companies for antitrust, this flirts with it. And there was a little, there were a couple of stories that happened before uh, the developers conference about uh, an email developer and their battles with the app store. That's worth looking at. And those stories will be in the show notes over at blindbargains.com under the podcasts for two eleven. Uh, you'll be able to find that like always where I put a bunch of the reading material that I, I read before we come in here. Uh, you'll find that in the show notes. And I, I urge you to go look at those because it's not worth kind of going into here on the show, but there is some, some forceful things going on that it really is kind of a blood oath for developers. They have to, they have to swear that they're going to get in with Apple on a lot of this. And that's a lot, you know, because Apple doesn't want you to write a, a product. They spend a lot of time and effort to make Swift UI friendly, but they don't want you to go out and write a program that's going to work on Android on work on windows, going to work on this. And they've seen Microsoft stumble, right? Cause Microsoft tried to do windows and mobile and one unified operating system. And that didn't work. And they've seen Chrome move Android into Chrome because you can run Android on, on Chrome on Chromebooks. And they don't want to go that direction either. So they're doing it in a very Apple-like way where everybody's taken a shot and Apple's thought about it for a really long time. To me, that's exciting because they wouldn't do this. They're not dumb people over there no. in Cupertino. No. They wouldn't pull the trigger on this if they hadn't had it with Intel because Intel was taking forever to give them chips and they couldn't do the things that they wanted to do with power and stuff. And so this is what they're doing. Well, I think that's fascinating from a, from a, I, I have no dog in this hunt kind of point. Well, and by releasing some Intel based Macs this year, they can tell by sales what, who, you know, where it goes. So, you know, if for some reason, 70% oh, sure. of the new sales are Intel, sure. then they might rethink this. But if it's 10% or 20%, you know, then probably. Uh, then they'll ride that two years all the way out. Exactly. And then, then you know, that'll be but it. I, I, it's the same way I, I say this, you know, every year. Every iPhone launch, especially with this new one coming out, as they put the 10 series to bed, I don't, I'm kind of hesitant in whether I would want a iPhone 12 with new chassis and new hardware. Cause, uh, Jamie, you, you have uh, a couple of first gen Apple products. I've got a first gen Apple TV with you. Yeah. And, uh, Jamie was my, my litmus test for these kinds of things. Cause if Jamie bought it, they usually replaced it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, as we usually do around this time, somewhere in the middle of the show, when uh, Joe's rambling, I put off a tweet <laughs> to see what our <laughs> listeners are saying. No, I'm just kidding. Although, <laughs> no, I did just put out a tweet on Blind Bargains to see what we have some inst instant feedback. Um, how do you say, is it is it Peter uh, Matches? Matt, I, I'm sure I'm butchering that name. Oh, yes. Um, uh, I don't want to say it the way that my speech synthesis Piotr, says it, because yeah. it's probably wrong. He says, home, uh, home screen widgets are cool, iOS apps on the Mac, uh, but a couple of things that have kind of come out later excite them even more, and I can agree. Uh, 
the watch getting braille support apparently this is one of those things that's kind of been filtering out later and uh, rotor support and also stereo recording on the iPhone. So these are, you know, so a lot of features kind of get leaked yeah, out or dropped I saw that after. about the stereo recording. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Braille yeah. on the watch is going to be a big thing for any watch users. Um, if you have an Apple Watch Series 1 or 2, you will not get an update instantly to the watch. You're, you are out. You it are done. three and above for Watch 7. Uh, Steve always likes to send us comments here. He's one of those. He says, not, not running v, uh, VMs, the new CPU is going to be a bad thing of that start talking about the virtual machines on the Mac. Uh, I hope they put some serious resources into improving voiceover on the Mac. It's seriously overdue. So we don't, you know, those types of things, we don't know what's going to happen there. And as far as if they're going to put a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of voiceover resources where every new version of narrator, and we'll get to that, or you can go to blindbargains.com. Every new version of narrator has had a half dozen or more very iterative and, and, useful updates make giving it more parity with other screen readers and you're not seeing that as much on voiceover so you're getting that from microsoft twice a year still trying to figure out braille is it psi input on the watch i mean i mean i'm i've got the the 42 millimeter no braille braille display (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no no not psi no braille displays that'd be some that'd be tricky right there (laughs) thank you and it can't be great yeah it can't be bsi input because that would be braille screen input input (laughs) <laughs> and they remove force touch yeah. from watch seven. <laughs> I get it, but man, I, I don't, I don't know. Watch, watch OS is not a very strong operating system. So, I mean, I get it from a tinkering standpoint, but I don't know that I want, I, okay. No, uh, I mean, I, for, I say, for, uh, for deafblind users, I mean, like the braille I get for deafblind users. Absolutely though. I mean, if it works, so. I would feel more excited about that if I didn't have to have my, watch paired to my phone right if 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 the apple watch eventually becomes a standalone device yeah. right. can you pair a watch to a watch a lot of sense can you pair a, a watch to a dot and you have a watch on each arm <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that'll work either you know i can i can pair my bose frames to my watch too it's not a great experience because of bluetooth so i i don't know that that's interesting but i don't i don't know that's that's going to take a lot of real world <laughs> kind of usage and um but if you want to sell me on it, folks, feedback at blindbargains.com. Any of these ideas that we've been talking about, leave it in the comment section down there, uh, whether you agree or don't agree. And this is another reason why we don't run right out and record these things day of event on developer conferences, because a lot of times the information that's really relevant is not in the keynote. It usually comes out two or three days yep. after Yep. And there's quite a few sessions that were put online and um, some of them are going to be pretty in the weeds developer talk, but there'll be some interesting stuff up there. So maybe Joe can find a link just to all the, the talks. There's a page out there that has if them. I all didn't there. already tweet it. Yeah. Uh, we'll get it up there. It'll be in the article. So. There you go for two eleven. Um, two twelve is going to be a, a, a hodgepodge episode, which actually was recorded before this one, but because of Apple, we're going to kind of slide things back around. Yay. Podcasts and editing. Um, so I'll have to retake part of that, but um, several different things. Uh, we have an interview with uh, Jared Reimer talking about a program called Braille 2000. Uh, we have some stuff. I'm doing some demos with Narrator, as I was kind of alluding to. A couple of interesting new features in the Windows April update, which came out in June. 
<laughs> but you know, 2004, <laughs> uh, hitting many of you now. Uh, again, if you want to know more about that, that's at blindbargains.com as well, and a few other random demos. You, you lost me because I was I was thinking Conan O'Brien in the year 2000, like the minute you said Braille 2000, I I was gone. Yeah, <laughs> you remember those? No, yeah, no, those are great. Do not in the year 2000. <laughs> do not. So that's all coming up. Uh, yeah. But uh, try to get back to a weekly format. Uh, say that uh, not going away, but I think we're we're going to head back in that direction. So I do appreciate your patience and hope everyone is staying safe and doing well during COVID. You can tweet us at Blind Bargains as well if you have any comments. Uh, hey, you know that last episode that we did do? You know some breaking news that happened between now and the minute we released of it? Of course. Yep. Bose frames are dead, yes. baby. Well, yes. The audio. Yes. It is a donate. It's the entire, I well, really I mean, enjoyed it's still that a very interesting line. episode. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed frames. that episode a lot. Oh, thanks. Which, which part, the cat or the construction? All of the above. It kind of <laughs> took me back to the old, can I say this correctly? Is it blind cool tech days? Larry ScootCon. Oh, yeah. Almost like reality Except you didn't have a lawnmower, I don't think. Those are interesting. Breakfast during wow. that, that Go, been, going through a few of those old episodes is really interesting. Oh, my goodness. Trippy. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of... Uh, if you haven't been following us on Twitter, and you really should, Blind Bargains, uh, there was a conversation we had with several of our listeners who had some of those lost episodes that Jay has been I have most. For yeah, uh, I have most of them. Blind. And Rick Harmon was hosting them for a time, and maybe we can try to get them back yeah. up uh, somewhere as well. Uh, where can people contact you, Jamie? So I'm. Um, you can contact me by uh, hitting me up on Twitter um, at Jamie Pauls, J A M I E P A U L S. You can uh, find some of my work over on Access World. I'm still writing for the magazine and and uh, got some things coming up in the not too distant future. You won't hear my voice on this podcast, but I'm actually working with a gentleman named Greg Lindberg. I'm editing the Eyes Free Sports podcast, so um, he's. Uh, an interesting guy. He interviews a lot of sports enthusiasts. Uh, Stephen Guerra was on a recent episode talking about beat baseball and oh, yeah. got an upcoming episode on blind sailing and all kinds of cool stuff. So eyesfreesports.com. And uh, yeah, just that that's where I am. Were you um, were you celebrating the main menu 20 anniversary? I did. I, mean, I did. You uh, did have something to do with that program. I kind of did, didn't I? I was I was a I was a part of that for a while. Um, I did put a little um, greeting up there for, for those guys. So very cool. Uh, main menu. Man, that's, that's a been good, a staple that's a, for that's a good run. A long 20 time. years. It is. I, it really is. I was on in 2000. I was on the first episode for what it's worth. Or 2001 okay. about a website that yeah. I never renewed. <laughs> we had, and I had awesome. blindcommunity.com and it was one of the many domains that I like get, let it uh, get away from me over time. Right, but right. I I don't have a clip of that. I need to find that somewhere. Of I'm sure I sound way young <laughs> talking to, to <laughs> you probably do. at the time about yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So weird to listen to the top ten lists on main menu. Your first one in 2009, and I was still writing on the block back then. And uh, those are up there, and it's just. First of all, it's different microphones and recorded in a different way at a different time with a different bit rate. So there's always that you have to get uh -huh. used to. Yeah. But yeah, it's a trip. Um, so yeah, um, Main Menu had their anniversary. What was uh, in May? And that had happened while we were away. And so definitely go back to the ACB Main Menu archives and check I wish they post those really old ones. There's, there's really a bunch stuff. of old episodes that they haven't put back up in a while. It'd be cool to see them. Yeah, Because yeah, right when they first started Main Menu, that was right when the Freedom Scientific merger was happening. What a time to come in. 
Oh, because wow. that, that was happening right around when they uh, started main menu. So, hey, you know, you're always worried about content for your new show. And that was a two-hour <laughs> weekly at that time. <laughs> I mean, wow. So there you go. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thanks, Patrick, uh, for putting up with our very erratic schedule uh, lately. Um, we do appreciate it, as, as always. Uh, and thanks, Joe and Jamie. Oh, Joe's at Ranger Station, all one word. He didn't mention that, but I'm sure he'd want me to. And uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Oh, sure. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Whatever. So Sure. Especially during events. Like, there's going to be an Xbox event mm-hmm. in July. So if you want to hear or read more of these snarky things that I say that Jamie was referring to earlier, uh, I do it for every company. There is no company that 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 evades me. I, I do it to all of them. Equal uh, opportunity, yeah. Really good at the Apple. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Had many, many, many years of practice. So, all right. Also, before we roll out this door, be sure to head on over to atguys.com and be sure to get in on that pre-order. Hey, it's quiet, isn't it? That's a real quiet yes. kind of thing. I mean, you've tapped on it before, so. Yes, it's really quiet. I, and learn I miss, I had one. Orbit writer. I had one that I borrowed and I miss it. I want it back. So I'll hopefully get one back soon, but it's very cool. And when I start traveling again, I will definitely have it with me in my bag for sure. So, all right. And then we'll find out if it's TSA friendly. (laughs) That should be. It just looks like a little keyboard. I hope so. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Displays? Whole nother. Mm, Yeah. I've had better luck than most, thankfully. Anyway. Hey, everybody. All right. See y'all. We'll talk to you. And by the time we come back, we'll uh, be after the holiday. So have a great national holiday, everyone. And we will see you sometime probably in the middle of summer convention, maybe more than likely. There you go. See ya. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2020. Now, it's time for a BBQ Fun Facts. Did you know that every episode of the BBCast, except for like two or three of them, were produced with a MacBook Air running Windows? 